Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I had a woman one time on a, on a panel I was on say something to me in a quite snide manner, like, we can't eat our way out of climate change. And I thought, well... You know, I it's think. not, it, yeah, we kind of can. It's, <laughs> not the, it's not the only solution. Plant-based diet is not the only solution to climate change, but there's no solution that doesn't include that. Ah, we're fucked. Welcome to I'm Fucking the Future. I'm Chris Turney, a climate scientist based in Sydney, Australia. I have a bit of a reputation for being an optimist, but in this day and age... With all the bad news, even I can't help but think, we're fucked. But that thinking is not going to get us out of this mess. There are people out there who have got some really big ideas for how to turn things around. They inspire me to keep going. And over this podcast series, I want them to inspire you too. Or at least make you feel a little less terrible about our future. So... In each episode, we're going to hear the story of a scientist, an entrepreneur, an activist, or someone else who is fighting the climate crisis in a surprising but positive way. We're going to learn how they got started, how they're making a difference, and perhaps most importantly, how we can make a difference too. I still believe that together we can fix this almighty mess. So let's get started. We're unfucking the future. I feel very grateful to be a woman right now. I feel very proud. And um, I want to thank my mom for being truly the best mother that I could ever ask for and thinking um, never for herself and only for others. I, every day I want to be more like you. Oh my God! <laughs> That's a clip of Billie Eilish speaking at the 2023 Variety Power of Women event. She's being honoured for a song from the Barbie soundtrack. And the woman she's thanking, her mom, is our guest today, 
Maggie Baird is not only the mother of two of the most successful musicians on the planet, she's also an accomplished actor and writer and a long-time climate activist. Even Billy is impressed by that. I'm so proud of her every day and I want to dedicate everything in this to my mom and everything you do for the world. I'll buy you anything you want. Maggie's the founder of Support and Feed, a non-profit that aims to combat the climate crisis and increase food security by advocating for a plant-based diet. And the reason I wanted to bring Maggie on in this first episode is because her radical idea for changing the world is actually relatively simple. Maggie says that we can make a real difference tackling the climate crisis by just making small changes to our diet. The rest of the world has only recently come round to the idea that meat agriculture might not be the best thing for the environment. But that's a conclusion Maggie came to early in life. We didn't have much, a lot of money. My dad was a school teacher. My mom worked in various jobs. So we didn't have much money. And we lived in this beautiful place in Western Colorado. But I was outdoors all the time. And I started, even as a child, I did not want to eat meat. I just immediately saw that it was an animal and I didn't, did not seem like an edible substance to me. So it was originally animals that brought me into that world, but I have very clear memories of, I read a book, I guess two different things, but I read, because two books, the Diet for a Small Planet, Diet for mm. a New America, Francis Morlope books, when I was a teenager, Classics. and they, they talked about the effect on the environment of animal agriculture. These books from the 70s and 80s are absolute classics. They've influenced a lot of people to switch to plant-based food. Which brings us to a segment we like to call, What the Fuck Are You Talking About? What the fuck are you talking about? What Maggie just mentioned, animal agriculture, is simply the farming of animals for food production. As you may already know, there are big climate consequences for it. Sure, you've probably heard about the methane produced by those belching, farting cows, but it actually goes a lot deeper than that. It all starts from the simple fact that there's a limited amount of space on Earth. Unfortunately, for those of us who enjoy lamb or ribeye, animal proteins require far more space to grow than plant-based proteins. It takes almost 100 times as much land to produce a gram of beef protein as it does to produce a gram of tofu protein. But that's not the only problem. Because of course, in order to raise animals, you have to feed them. Roughly a third of all farmland on Earth is used solely to grow food to feed livestock. And in order to clear land for livestock to graze on, you have to cut down trees. Meat production is the biggest cause of deforestation in the world's tropical forests. To clear the way for Brazilian cattle, more than 800 million trees in the Amazon have been cut down, just in the last six years. And trees, as we know, suck carbon out of the atmosphere. When trees are cut down, two things happen. First, once they're dead, they can't suck carbon out of the atmosphere anymore. That's bad. Second, these dead trees release the carbon they've been storing all these years. That's really bad. All this extra carbon in the atmosphere is causing climate zones to shift, 
making it more difficult for the world's great farming regions to remain productive. And finally, animals produce emissions of their own. According to the United Nations, livestock are responsible for about 15% of greenhouse gas emissions globally. What this means is that if we all reduced the amount of meat that we eat, it could have a big impact on the climate. If every American ate no meat or cheese just one day a week for a year, it's equivalent to not driving 91 billion miles or taking 7.6 million cars off of the road. So that's what the fuck we're talking about. What the fuck are you talking about? All right, back to Maggie. As a teenager, she made the connection between what we eat and its impact on the environment. And so she became a vegetarian. I think to most everyone I know, I was pretty annoying because I was, I've been a vegan for 15 years, but, you know, vegetarian for since 19, like 76, right? So I was talking about it all the time. And, and I was, to be honest, a little bit of a, a apologetic for it. You know, it was the era of like, don't mind me, I'll have a salad. <laughs> yes, Don't mind, yes, you know. I hear you. <laughs> so I was kind of apologetic and like, you know, not trying to make waves, but I was living that way. And, you know, I was carrying my own grocery bags and my reusable water bottles. And then, oh, you know, way ahead of a curve. I grew up in the 70s. You know, everything was turn off the lights, you know, mm. um, conserve. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, my dad was a forester and uh, we used to travel all over the UK and live in really quite remote places. And I, I was born in the 70s, but grew up in the 80s. But mum and dad, because they were living in such remote places, we were in a, like a 1970s time bubble. So we listened to music <laughs> for the 70s. And we had this very sustainable lifestyle. And there was just that moment in time where there was this realisation that things were changing and there was this amazing connection with nature and the environment and um, looking back it, it was actually just quite a magical time but things could have changed so dramatically when things were you know still pristine or still beautiful and, and you were more concerned about like or i was more concerned about like not wanting to lose this beautiful area preserve mm. this whatever for a lot of people maggie included the 70s were a really optimistic time the environmental movement was just starting to take hold 1970 was the year of the first Earth Day. People took to the streets, demanding that governments pay closer attention to protecting the natural world. It felt like you could truly make a change and preserve the nature around you. But that changed quickly. Because very quickly, you know, then we saw things happening around the world related to climate. But, you know, in your own little world, you're worried about the trash at your favorite campsite as opposed to like an entire community being destroyed by flooding, right? By the end of the 1990s, environmentalism has become a highly politicized issue. It's no longer rah-rah Earth Day. It's more like heat waves, wildfires, hurricanes, massive oil spills, and Amazon deforestation. And now, Maggie's a mum. And all of a sudden, her personal interest in the environment takes on a different meaning. It isn't just about her anymore. I mean, uh, if it doesn't change you, I don't know what would, (laughs) you know. I feel the urgency very passionately. I I think that's true for many people, and I'm Mm. happy to say that I hear people say it was their children or their grandchildren or something that that woke them Mm. up. 
Yeah, actually, my, uh, my kids are basically the same age as yours as well. And I think it, it's a, it's an amazing time when you actually have children and you suddenly have that greater sense of the natural world and your place in it and your responsibilities. And then you've got this background of this existential threat, which you've, as you say, it's, it's just suddenly becomes really focused for you. And if you can't look at your children as they face this future and say, I have really been trying, you know, yes. I'm really doing something. <laughs> I think that we all owe it to them to be mm. focusing on this and doing as much as we can and that we can look them in the eye and not feel that, And when we, you know, I'm still going to feel that I failed them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another story anyway. But, you know, that I can at least say, well, I really did try. Anyway. Maggie and her husband Patrick made it a priority to instill in their kids a passion for the environment. And in part, that meant raising them vegetarian. We decided to raise our children that way because I wanted to give my, first of all, it's what I believe in, and I'm responsible for their physical and moral health, really, Mm -hmm. until they're a grown person, right? So I want to provide them what I believe is the most responsible way of living and the healthiest way of living. So it's the single most effective thing you can do personally is change the way you eat, right? Because you can't overnight, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're a person who flies on a private plane every day, you could stop. That would be, that would be that very would be nice. That would be actually very nice. <laughs> that would be good. You know, children, if, if you explain what animal food is, they generally don't want to eat it. The truth is they don't generally understand what it is. But the great thing is watching my kids like, you know, you know, come to it on their own and understand it on their own and, you know, process it. And it's a journey. And I think we are responsible for Mm. our children's moral and ethical health. And we know that young people's brains are not fully formed till they're 26. Now, you're not going to be telling a, you know, 21-year-old what to do. You can yeah. you can barely, Good you know, tell that. a 13-year-old <laughs> what to do. But as far as instilling values, you know, that is that is your job. And and something I'd love to sort of explore with you a little bit more of that is this love of the environment in your children. But the other thing you've done, of course, is you've 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 instilled this appreciation and love of, of music. And I'd love you to talk a little bit more about what role music plays in your family. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just love music myself, mm. right? And I I was an amateur songwriter my whole life, and my husband loves music. And so we just always had a lot of music in our house. You know, we, we live in a small house. We have a two-bedroom house. We had three pianos in it. <laughs> really? Three pianos? Uh, more? <laughs> Yeah, two pianos because what happened was we got my 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 mother had died young and then my father sadly um died also and I had my childhood piano and then we had some one that we got off Craigslist that was like a baby grand, like took up the entire room that it was in. And then we had a keyboard. So we had a piano everywhere in the house. Really Just in case the around. moment took you. It's like a fireplace for some people. It's like, you must have yes. a piano. So there's that. And then, you know, just out of the blue, like they mm-hmm. just learned to play. Phineas asked my husband to teach him how to play one song to impress a girl and he taught him what a chord was and what an inversion was. And, and that was the extent of his lessons. Wow. And then he asked me, like, what's a chord on a guitar? And I showed him, and, and that was literally it. Every 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 other bit of it came from YouTube or him just 
figuring out. And then the exact same thing happened with Billy. She just did it herself. Um, so, you know, I guess we had given them this exposure to like constant music and this mm. music program, but it really just, the main thing we did was just kind of allow them to do what they wanted. We're on fucking the future. We're on fucking the future. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. All this discussion about music might seem like a bit of a tangent for a show about the climate. But I promise it's important, because what Maggie understood is that music and art can be a powerful catalyst for social change. You know, I certainly grew up with, you know, Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and, you know, Peter, Paul and Mary. And, you know, those are the songs my parents put me to bed to, you know, and and now they were political and social, you know. Mm. Um, So they were certainly impactful to me. I think you have an opportunity as a musician to reach an, a very large audience and mm. and have a more direct connection to people. People really feel connected to songwriters because they've expressed what they feel. Yes. And it's a rare and special, you know, and I've felt it myself with songwriters mm. and you feel so connected to them. And then if that songwriter decides to write about 
climate change or not write about it, but talk about it at their concert or be on an Instagram post about it, it really makes a huge difference. In 2016, Maggie began to experience this firsthand. Her 14-year-old daughter, Billy, released a song called Ocean Eyes, and it launched into pop stardom. That just took over my whole life, right? Because I had to protect her, I had to be with her, I had to make sure everything was okay. And so then I found myself in this new in this new world. Mm. But but I did, couldn't leave behind my other world, right? So constantly I was, why are we using plastic water bottles backstage? Why do we have this kind of merch? What is the vinyl thing? What is the packaging thing? Just constantly asking questions about the music industry in terms of mm. climate change and sustainability. So I, and in the beginning, to be honest, I was pulling my hair out. It was so stressful and and it seemed like no one was doing anything. Now, I was very lucky that I got introduced to Chris Martin and Chris Martin introduced me to this company called Reverb. And then I started to get this support and feel this community in the music industry of people who right. were trying to make change. Then Billy, at the same time, Billy and Phineas got powerful. You know, and so in the beginning, nobody was listening to me. I'm just, the, again, the annoying person saying, like, you know, why are we doing this? And why can't We've we all do been this? there. We've all yeah. been there. <laughs> <laughs> just annoying people. And, but then, you know, my children had all this power and mm. people started to listen. And when people started to listen, they realized, oh, this actually really matters. And it's really affecting us. And it's affecting our whole industry. It's affecting our whole world. All of a sudden... Maggie's kids had a platform and they realised that together they could use their influence to make a positive impact on the climate. The first and most obvious way they could do this was by helping make plant-based food seem cool because for decades, veganism has been portrayed as anything but cool. We're with mankind for ethical animal treatment. Poplars are living creatures. You got to stop harvesting them for food. Or what? (laughs) Or we'll boycott Fishy Joes. You're vegetarians. Who cares what you do? Shut up. Animals eat other animals. It's nature. No, it isn't. We taught a lion to eat tofu. (coughs) (coughs) That's a clip from the show Futurama, and it's emblematic of how vegans have been mocked in pop culture. So much so that Maggie says it's almost become a dirty word. Well, if you're referring to the study that I was quoting to you that um, referred to vegan as one of the most hated words in the English language, <laughs> you know, I think the the reason is, and the and the article I was quoting to you uh, makes the point that it's about cognitive dissonance, right? So that most people, when confronted with the facts of animal agriculture, the way animals are treated, the the way they're killed the environmental impact, the degradation of our soil, the loss of biodiversity, the amount of greenhouse gases, the health. Most everyone, if they see those facts in front of them, are going to think it's a good idea Mm. not to be participating in the system of animal agriculture. But if you don't do it, then you have cognitive dissonance. And so people who do it and have taken on this word vegan you know, become kind of an antagonistic feeling in your body. So you kind of hate that. 
What Maggie is saying is that even though people might support all the benefits of a vegan diet, because there's a negative association with the word, they tend to shy away from it. And that has real consequences. If you label a, a food item vegan, something like, I, I should get the real stat for you, you know, like only 20% of people will choose that item. But if you say it's, you know, plant-based, it could be 60 to 70%, mm. you know, when ordering off a menu. With plant-based food, You've got to get people to stop. You've got to change that culture from vegan being a bad word or plant-based being a bad word or being the butt of the joke, right? Yes, in in yeah. TV and movies, oh, the environmentalist is a tree hugger, right? Mm. And that vegan is, you know, annoying and whatever. Getting people to choose a climate-friendly diet is partly a cultural problem. So it definitely helps if one of the world's most influential pop stars is a public supporter. Maggie's helping her kids use their platforms to reflect their values, starting with how they run their concerts. When the pandemic happened, we were on tour with Billy's then world tour. And we were super excited about this tour for the sustainability factor. You know, we had done all these things. We had all plant-based food for three meals a day for our whole crew. But then disaster struck. We had this very sustainable backstage and all these things implemented. And then we we went home because of COVID. And then within like five days, I was sitting with Billy. I was like, you know, people are going to need food. Plant-based restaurants are going to go to business and small businesses are going to suffer and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get food and we'll feed people. Well, very quickly, um, we, we were doing that. We were delivering meals to people, but we realized that there were very few organizations that were feeding people were taking into account the quality of what they fed people mm. and the environmental impact of what they fed. Good so we were like, wow, massive amounts of food are going out to people with no regard to the health of the people receiving it or the climate impact of that, that food. That seems incredible. It is, right? When yeah. you think about it, it was like it was like a aha moment of like bad, like, oh my gosh, right? Gigantic yes. amounts of food. Really? Are, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think about major, major food organizations. We were lucky enough to get calls with some of these, you know, and they did not have an awareness of the impact of plant-based food and what they're feeding. They had often no plant-based option. And they might even have like a kosher option or something, but they had no plant-based option. I was like, you do know that environmentally we need to reduce our animal agriculture. And some of them would say, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Like we do like, so that's when we realized. And we also realized that if we directed our work toward communities and food apartheid, areas that were cut off from access to nourishing food, we could multiply our impact. But there's another piece to this, which is which is really terrifically important, and that's food equity. Mm -hmm. And for listeners who don't know what this is, how is that connected to climate? Well, food equity speaks to the fact that we do not distribute food equally in our society. And a lot of that is due to systemic racism. We have mm. policies within our government. I'm speaking specifically about the U.S., but it's not just true for the U.S. We have policies that have been created, which literally 
deprive communities of access to nourishing food by uh, policies that don't allow grocery stores within certain areas or prevent the recreation of grocery stores when those grocery stores close, um, lack of green spaces. And at the same time, these same communities are often most impacted by climate change, right? So Mm. you've got a community where, say, there are absentee landlords, no green spaces, no trees, that temperature in that community could be one to two degrees higher, right? So already suffering from the effects of that. Second of all, lack of proximity to nourishing food Mm. through either economic reasons or transportation access. So climate change is disproportionately affecting people who are the least responsible Mm. for climate change. This is a point that you'll hear a lot about on this show. On average, a person in the US produces about 16 tonnes of CO2 a year. A person in India? Not even one and a half. But yet, developing countries are often more vulnerable to the impacts of extreme weather than rich countries like the US. Food is another place where this inequity exists because people in wealthy areas tend to have more access to healthy, sustainable food. A meal is wonderful, but if a meal that's extra nourishing can be served to a community member who may not generally get that kind of nourishing food, and we can make it climate-friendly, we could, like, triple our impact. We still purchase our meals from community restaurants and so support the local economy. We pay a fair and equitable price for those meals to support that, that that, you know, restaurants are so important to communities and, Mm, you know, the... The workers at a restaurant are, 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 you know, from the farmer to the server, such an important part of that chain. So, you know, combining all these things into one, the intersectionality of this mission, which is really what we have to look at in everything we do if we're going to address this issue. And why not? Why address this issue without adding on all the issues that touch that? Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. We're on fucking the future. In 2020, Maggie's passions for plant-based food, equity and music all came together. She founded a non-profit called Support and Feed. The organisation provides nourishing meals and education to historically marginalised communities, driving global demand, acceptance and accessibility of plant-based food. And they're using a call to action at concert tours to reach new places and inspire more people to embrace a plant-based diet. Yeah, support and feed. And the name is like been, you know, I think it turned out to be more, uh, more accurate than we ever dreamed, you know, because we really are feeding people, but we're supporting community organizations, we're supporting small businesses, we're, we're some supporting activists, we're supporting the work. We, we are a ve- very much an all boats rise organization. We are trying That's to get fabulous. this word out. Yeah. Now we're bigger than ever. We're in 11 cities in the country in a regular presence. And that means regular food deliveries and regular education, which means community conversations, cooking classes, experiential. We were able to have support and feed be a presence on that tour. And, you know, when we were in Australia, we were able to partner with Oz Harvest to add 53,000 plant-based meals to their amazing work already. We also did the same with Paramore's tour and oh, we've been at festivals for right. Pharrell, Something in the Water, and Lollapalooza, and Dave Matthews Band, Coldplay, Plant-Based Food Drive. So getting the word out with support and feed, you know, we have a large impact with the, you know, the people we're feeding and then also people who are here to learn about how what they eat impacts climate change and what how what they eat is impacting someone across their town, across their state, across the world. I had a woman one time on a on a panel I was on say something to me in a quite snide manner, like, we can't eat our way out of climate change. And I thought, well, you know, I it's think. not it, yeah, we kind of can. It's <laughs> not the it's not the only solution. Plant-based diet is not the only solution to climate change, but there's no solution that doesn't include that. It's easy to feel powerless in the face of a problem as big as global heating. But what I love about Maggie's story is that it shows us that there's something meaningful we can do as individuals right now. Which brings us to our final segment, which we call, What the Fuck Can I Do? What the fuck can I do? Okay, Maggie, I thought we could end the show by highlighting something our listeners can do to help stop the climate crisis. And so I want to ask you about the 30-day pledge. What is it and what's the idea behind it? 
We want people to understand that what they eat matters and it affects people. It affects not only their personal health, but their community and people all around the world. The support and feed pledge is to eat at least one fully plant-based meal a day for 30 days. And get this, that one small action makes such a huge difference. For example, if we were all to take it together, say 10,000 people ate one plant-based meal a day for 30 days, that is seven million gallons of water saved. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, that is incredible. That really is. And then Support and Feed will offer you resources and support, recipes and guidance as you do it till hopefully this one meal a day that you're eating will become second nature and you can add more and more plant-based foods to your diet and really make an impact on the climate crisis. Look, plant-based diets are the gold standard. Someone with a plant-based diet has less than 75% of the emissions from that of a heavy meat eater. But for a lot of people, me included, it can feel impossible to make a full switch in one go. But the good news is that eating a low meat diet can have a similar effect. Because the difference in emissions between a low meat diet, say around 14 ounces a week, which is about two chicken breasts, and a vegetarian or pescatarian diet is pretty nominal. In fact, low meat diets are around half the emissions of a heavy meat eater, the same as a vegetarian diet. All's to say, we don't need to change everything about our diet right now. But Maggie says we can make small steps today to get on the path towards an environmentally friendly diet. The Support and Feed pledge has gone worldwide. We've been at concerts, arenas and stadiums around the world with musical acts and at live events, getting people to sign up to take this pledge to know that what they do every day makes a difference. It's that kind of change that is really going to be impactful. That's amazing. So if you're interested, head on over to supportandfeed.org and sign up for the 30-day pledge. And that's one thing you can do right now to help fight the climate crisis. Since Maggie founded it back in 2020, Support and Feed has become a hugely impactful organisation. They've distributed over 400,000 plant-based meals and pantry items. I'm not the first person to say this, but I think the antidote for eco-anxiety is action. Knowing that you're doing something is what keeps me going and hope is in the people that join with you, the people who Mm. are working alongside of you and caring. A lot of people say, well, young people give us hope, but you know, there's enough people out there and there are enough technological advances and enough people really working towards this. And it gives me hope to, you know, if nothing else, we're we're not in it alone. And I I often reflect on the fact that it's not really the science that gives me hope. That's actually the opposite a lot of the time. It's people. Mm. It's what people can do and what they are doing. And that gives me real hope. And I yeah. find that inspiring. And, and just talking to you, Maggie, about hearing what you're doing and, and, and how it can scale at a level, you know, actually, gosh, we can make a difference. I mean, that's really, that's really why food is so special in this category. Mm. Because it's like, you can do this. This yes. one, you got it right in your hands, you know? We can do it. We certainly can. That's all for this episode. Next time on Unfucking the Future, we'll be speaking with comedian, writer and director Adam McKay. He's been doing his part to fight the climate crisis in his own unique way, through storytelling. 
He's the director of the 2021 film Don't Look Up, which is an environmental allegory and a comedy. We're dealing with just a gargantuan force, you know, changing the livable climate. And it's Mm. amazing how much it just bats you around emotionally. So, yeah, it's a wild, wild experience. There's no question. And the number one thing I've been trying to do through the whole thing is just keep my sense of humor. (laughs) Spreading climate awareness through humor. That's coming up on Unfucking the Future. I'm Chris Turney. See you next time. We're unfucking the future. Unfucking the Future is produced by Imagine Audio and Awfully Nice for iHeart Podcasts and hosted by me, Chris Turney. The show is written by Meredith Bryan. Unfucking the Future is produced by Amber von Schassen and Rene Colvert. Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Kara Welker and Nathan Clokey are the executive producers from Imagine Audio. Jesse Burton and Katie Hodges are the executive producers from Awfully Nice. Sound design and mixing by Evan Arnett. Original music by Lily Hayden and producing services by Peter McGuigan. Sam Swinnerton wrote our theme and all those fun jingles. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review Unfucking the Future on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.